0: Welcome to The Bible and Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, where we encourage you to view the culture through the lens of the Holy Bible. Welcome to The Bible and Our Culture, where we look at the culture through the lens of the Bible. I'm Pastor Jay MacPherson with Liberty Remnant Church, somewhat disgusted with a handful of quote-unquote churches that seems to want to look at the Bible through the lens of culture. What can I do to please people? What can I do to go along with what's popular? And it and it filters how they see the scripture. So we've named this outreach ministry of Liberty Remnant Church, the Bible and our culture. We've been going through the book of Judges, mostly the story of Gideon. Gideon led a huge victory, miraculous victory, where 300 guys with trumpets took on armies that you couldn't even number, more than the sand of the seashore, the camels of these Midianite, Malachite, and other eastern armies were. God led a huge victory, and now the enemy's on the run, and he's trying to subdue them so they don't reorganize, and he runs into a problem like we talked about last week, where Ephraim gets their nose bent out of joint because they weren't invited, they want to make sure their ego's not uh, trampled on, they want to make sure they have everybody's respect, and it's really petty. But Gideon wisely figures, hey, at least they're fighting the enemy. I can appreciate where they're coming from, the deeper issue. He responds with mercy. He responds with kindness. He responds with love and doesn't react how I probably would have wanted to. I would have wanted to tell him where to stick it. But Gideon was much more kind and wise. So he's pursuing the enemy still. And in verse 4 of chapter 8 of the book of Judges, it says, When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted, but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, Please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Zebah and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. I have funny names back in those days, kind of like Star Wars. Verse 6, And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Zebah and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your army? So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Ziba and Salmuna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. Then he went up from there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered. So he also spoke to the men of Penuel, saying, When I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower. So the story goes on, and he actually does go and capture Ziba and Zalmunna. And now what? Well, now he's going to go back and and do what he predicted he would do to the men of Sukkoth and to the men of Penuel. In verse 14, chapter 8, it says, He caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and interrogated him, and he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders, 77 men. Then he came to the men of Sukkoth and said, here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna now in your hand, that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. Wow! So here was wise, kind Gideon, not reacting to the men of Ephraim, who wanted to fight, but were wanting their egos to be stroked while they were doing it. But these men, the men of Succoth and the men of Penuel, he was totally um, ruthless with, so it seems. Now, I think it's important to observe, first of all, that Gideon's army was truly and legitimately exhausted, but they were still pursuing the enemy. Now, I'm big on pacing yourself, especially if you're in ministry. Don't get too weary and will doing. Make sure you have some time to decompress, but always be diligent to do the work of the ministry. Just make sure you take a Sabbath rest every now and then so you don't get burnt out. But there are times you don't really have the opportunity to decompress. Life's busy and you're not hoping to live this way forever, but hey, this weekend, this week, this month, it's going to be a high stress month. I'm going to get the job done. It's important to pace yourself, but don't give up. We would be wise to ask for help for those sitting on the sidelines. That's what Gideon did. His men were exhausted and still in pursuit, and they needed bread. They needed some calories. So he asked this fellow countrymen, his fellow Israelites, hey, would you mind giving some bread? He wasn't even asking them to join the fight. He was just asking them to help out in a little way. Well, they refused. And so I think that's typical for us that are involved in in leadership in the church or leadership in, in Christian ministries that sometimes we ask for help and we don't get it. We shouldn't be shocked. And sometimes we're exhausted. Sometimes uh, people don't show when they're supposed to show. People don't uh, volunteer, or or worse yet, they do volunteer and then they don't show up. I always preferred no, when I was asking somebody to help in children's ministry. I'd much rather you tell me no than to tell me yes. Because often when people told me yes, they didn't really mean it and it was worse. I wish they would've just told me no. So here's Gideon pursuing the enemy exhausted, but still in pursuit. And he gets no help from the men of Succoth. He gets no help from the men of Penuel. And what happened to patient, non-defensive Gideon? He seemed so harsh with the men of Succoth and Penuel in comparison to the men of Ephraim. Well, I really think Succoth and Penuel had it coming to him. Obviously, Gideon did. Gideon wasn't fazed by Ephraim's reprimand because they were engaged in the battle. Succoth and Penuel wouldn't even support those who were exhausted. And they were exhausted fighting for Sukkoth and Penuel's freedom. Sukkoth and Penuel were, were towns in Israel, and they felt the same oppression of the Midianites that everybody else felt. And here's Gideon, bravely, risks his neck and all these 300 men to fight the Midianites as obedience to God, and God miraculously delivers them. So now he's going to go and squash the enemy so they don't reorganize and here Sukkoth and Panuel won't even help win their own freedom. That's disgusting. Come on. We're oppressed here in America. Uh, not like we have been in, in, uh, many generations throughout history, but the Christian evangelical voice is being suppressed, is trying to be oppressed. People are perverting the Constitution, they're rejecting God, they're they're squashing our religious liberties, our our right to free speech, and and freedom of religion, and and freedom to assemble, all that's happening. I'm not asking everybody to fight the same way I might fight, but at least cooperate, at least realize we're fighting for your freedom as well. Come on. Sukkoth and Fanuel felt the same oppression from the Midianites, but what cowards they were undermining the battle they wouldn't even give bread to their cause they weren't giving bread to gideon's cause only they wouldn't even give bread to their own cause why are there people in in god's armies that are like that i don't get it i don't get why people wouldn't come to fight why they wouldn't vote why they wouldn't speak up why they wouldn't share their testimony Gideon never even asked Sukkoth and Penuel to take up arms and risk shedding their own blood. They could sit on their cushy couches watching Netflix or whatever it is that they were, wanted to do. All they had to do was give some bread. He was actually being quite tolerant of the Israelites who didn't engage in battle. He was just inviting, first he invited four tribes and then he invited Ephraim. That was really all it. He never demanded anything. But I find it interesting that in Gideon's mind, there could be no tolerance for fellow Israelites who wouldn't support their own nation after all the harassment they've been through. That sounds like today. Come on, people. Gideon wisely expected every Israelite to take the side of freedom from their oppressors. Maybe you don't take up arms, but at least you contribute in some way And you certainly don't undermine the cause. Now, we can disagree about the best way to fight oppression, but remaining neutral seems to require the death penalty, at least in this story. Please hear me. I'm not saying go out and kill people that won't uh, join the cause that you're you're fighting. But in Gideon's mind, hey, if you're not going to fight now, he wasn't even asking him to fight. If you're going to undermine what God's doing for your freedom we don't want to have a relationship with you. We don't don't want you to contaminate the rest of the body of Christ. So we're done with you all. Not coming to the cause of the nation when the victory could be won is a form of betrayal. And I'm talking to a lot of people who call themselves pastors. If you're not going to come to the cause of the nation, if you're not going to come to the cause of freedom, when it can be won, you're betraying your fellow believers, and I think you're betraying the cause of Christ right now in America. The cause for liberty, I believe, is the cause for Christ. Jesus tells us how to live, and we adhere to everything he says, and I think that means being salt and light, just as he told us. So perhaps Sukkoth and Panuel are like people who won't share their testimony even when asked. <laughs> They're basically not going to get involved. They don't want to share their testimony because they don't have a drive to see people escape hell. They don't have a drive to see people come and be part of God's family and rule and reign with him forever in heaven. They're just concerned only about their own comfort. It's like they've been duped into comfort that they become apathetic. How about Sukov and Panul, maybe people that don't care how many babies have been murdered or the fact that your tax dollars paid for them. My goodness, the state of Washington's trying to use my tax dollars to fly people from other states and to kill their babies. Doesn't seem that there's a lot of people who call themselves Christians who really care how many laws are passed denying parents' rights. Was it 5999, the the bill here in Washington that said, all right, kidnapping kids are okay so long as they claim to be transgender and their parents aren't cooperating. You can kidnap them and we'll go and 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 do the surgery we'll go and do uh, life altering mutilation to their bodies give them a life altering uh, hormone blocking drugs and we're not even going to let the parents know we're not even going to let the parents have right legal kidnapping here in the state of Washington and I think it ticks God off some don't care how many kids are led into gender confusion by so-called comprehensive sex education all the way down in elementary school and all the way up through the university system. They're pushing gender confusion. It's a, a mental disorder. It's a contamination of the devil's deception, and we want to rescue people from that because we love people. They'll try and tell us, well, if you love us, you have to affirm our sin. The Bible doesn't let us do that, just as the Bible doesn't allow us to hate anyone. We're not allowed to hate anyone, and we're not allowed to affirm a sinful lifestyle. But what people think is objective, they think it's, if you don't affirm our lifestyle, well, that's hate. You're a hater because you won't affirm my sinful lifestyle. And so kids get trapped into gender confusion. They're confused about all sorts of stuff. They don't know how they were created. They think they evolved from pond slime. They don't know what's true. They don't know what's right. They don't know what love is. And so many people are just content to just go along with that. This is Sukkoth and Penuel in Judges chapter 8. And Gideon, who acted so kindly, so patiently, Gideon, who just showed tremendous mercy to the Ephraimites and their ego because the Ephraimites were willing to fight. But this same Gideon showed no real tolerance for Sukkoth and Penuel because they wouldn't even help the fight. We still have affection for our brothers and sisters who haven't yet really joined the fight. I know I'm sounding a little cranky this afternoon as I'm recording this. Hey, I don't want this to continue. But at the same time, I love my fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. Even some of them who are deceived, they think they're truly been born again, and they're not. I still love them. I even love the people who are murdering babies. Don't want them to continue to do that, but I love them, and I hope they repent and turn. I'll accept them, as I believe Jesus will as well. But those who undermine the fight, we've got to reject that kind of behavior. If you're in the body of Christ, maybe you're with a, a congregation or a group of people that says, hey, I'm gonna take a stand on real world issues. I'm gonna I'm gonna be involved in in things that are happening in the entertainment industry, things that are happening within the political arena, things that are happening within business. I'm gonna speak out on real world issues. And a lot of folks say we well, shouldn't do that. The good Christians we only talk theoretically on the sweet by and by. We never get into real world issues. Well, I say you can't tolerate that anymore. I don't want to have relationship with people who would say just go along with latest thing. Just go along with whatever tyranny the government's pushing down your throat, whatever immorality the entertainment industry is shoving down your throat. We have to do like Gideon and reject those who won't take sides. Even God's side. Take a side. It seems many Americans have applied this text 180 degrees in the wrong direction. What do I mean by that? Well, they basically say, hey, don't take a stand. If you do take a stand, then we're going to reject you. Well, getting the, into just the opposite, Sukkoth and Penuel, who wouldn't take a stand here in Judges eight, he rejected. But those of Ephraim who seemed to be a little bit cocky, he welcomed them, even though their manners weren't all that great. Let's take a quick break and be back in a minute.
1: Two years ago, Liberty Remnant Church was founded in Spokane by a group of committed Christ followers who, believing God, sought to build. A distinct local church for his glory. LRC is a simple relational biblical church that holds firm to the basic tenets of biblical Christianity. We believe we are to represent Christ's love, power, and wisdom in every and any facet of society. Perhaps you've seen our pastor Jay McPherson or others from Liberty Remnant Church either standing up at Spokane City Hall or at a local school board meeting in the area. We believe we are called to be salt and light as we bring people to new life in Christ. If you are looking for a local church or know someone who is, please consider what God is doing at Liberty Remnant Church. We meet every Sunday at the Oakwood Inn, 7919 North Division at 10 a.m. For more information or to contact our pastor, please check out our website at libertyremnantchurch.org. Once again, That's libertyremnantchurch.org.
0: Welcome back to the Bible and our culture. Once again, I'm Pastor Jay MacPherson with Liberty Remnant Church. You can find more about our sponsor, Liberty Remnant Church, by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org. You can find past episodes of this radio show there, as well as sermons, other information about our church. If you're in the Spokane area, And looking for a church, or should be, we invite you to come check out um, what God's doing here at Liberty Remnant Church and the exciting things he has in store for us this year. If you want to participate, maybe you're not in Spokane, but you want to participate, you can bless this ministry and support it by going to our website as well, libertyremnantchurch.org backslash give, and you can contribute to the radio ministry specifically if you feel God uh, leading you that way. We've been talking about this great man of Gideon, he started off kind of a coward hiding from the Midianites, wondering why God had forsaken him, but the angel of the Lord, which is a pre-incarnate Jesus, shows up and basically says, you're a mighty man of valor. He's like, no, I'm not, I'm I'm the weakest in my father's house, which is the weakest house in, in the clan and the weakest clan and the weakest tribe. I can't do anything God says nope I'm with you you're gonna go defeat the Midianites and he's like well but what about this and where this and and God says hey I'm gonna be with you I have sent you you're gonna be all right and miracle after miracle God leads him to a mighty victory where he takes 300 men with torches and trumpets and he causes the Midianites Amalekites and the armies of the east to fight against each other and now he's pursuing them And if you remember from last week, and I mentioned it earlier in the show, he he comes in contact with the men of Ephraim who came to the battle late. He didn't invite them until after the big victory. So they're upset. Their egos hurt. Why did you not invite us? We want to be the big heroes, but you wouldn't let us. We're ticked. And he doesn't get defensive. He says, hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you for doing what you're doing. You guys are way better than us anyway. Their anger subsides because of Gideon's wise words. He responded kindly and didn't react in his flesh. Well, then he goes to the people of Succoth and Penuel, and he simply wants bread for his exhausted army. And they say, no way, Jose, we ain't giving you nothing. Well, as I mentioned a little while ago, Gideon and his 300 men are fighting for their freedom. They've been oppressed by the Midianites themselves. Why would they not support their fellow Israelites who are taking a stand? Man, this seems like a relevant application to today. There are those of us who are willing to vote, willing to write our congressmen and our our legislative representatives and our representatives that at the city and, and and lift up our voice and take a stand on social media or wherever it may be. And then there's those that want to condemn us. They seem like they're on the other side, and they would say, "Hey, we shouldn't be taking a stand. We should just cave in. If you want to be a good Christian." Just cave into everything. Just go along, be milk toast, wimpy, and just float downstream. That's what good Christians do. Well, I think God is drawing a line. He's saying, I have those who are willing to be like Gideon and his army and stand up, show up, and speak up. I'm not going to put up with these wishy washy, so called Christians who don't take a stand. God is separating the wheat from the chaff, and it's becoming more and more obvious as the world becomes more and more aggressive and oppressive against us. Who's going to stand for kingdom principles? Who's going to stand for liberty? And who's just going to go the way of the world? This is what Gideon is up against when he goes to Sukkoth and Penuel and says, hey, give us bread, and they say, no way. He says, all right, just for that, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to kill you. Or I'm going to uh, whip you with thorns or whatever. He was going to teach them a lesson and he did because their hearts were in the wrong spot. They should have been supporting The cause of freedom. They should have been supporting the stand to fight for the nation rather than undermine it. And I I just feel like we've got to align ourselves with other believers who may not have the same eschatology as us, may not see church government the same way we see it, may have various different disagreements theologically. But are you willing to stand in the culture war? Are you willing to fight for your nation? Are you willing to fight for your state, for your city? We've got to connect with those friends, and wisely communicate and, and, and love so that we can, we can have a true, unified, one body standing for righteousness in our day. Some resist those who fight, but coddle the lazy and the cowards, no matter what the stakes might be. Are the stakes not high enough? Come on. Are the stakes not high enough for America? How many do we have coming across the border? We've got, like, just in a month's time, like 70,000 illegal immigrants coming into the border. They really want to get into America. America's worth fighting for. America still has her destiny to take the gospel to the nations, to bring liberty to the nations. America was founded on biblical principles, and that's where our prosperity has come from. If we forsake the God who gave us life and liberty, we could lose our life and liberty. Too many applaud apathy, but condemn anyone who has a determination to win victories in the public square and win souls. It's really hard to share your testimony because it's thought of as as, a crazy peddling uh, salesmanship. It's, it's thought of as pushing your propaganda on others. It's proselytizing your religion and no good secularist would ever do that. Funny how secularists are. Are okay, proselytizing their values. I think it's totally fine to proselytize secularism, even if it's something as as transgenderism. We've got to know the truth. Who else knows the truth but God's people? Who else knows the truth but those who have their nose in the Bible and are willing to look at the Bible, um, excuse me, look at the culture through the lens of the Bible and not look at the Bible through the lens of the culture? That should be God's ecclesia, his church. We've got to win souls. We've got to Take a stand in the public square and expect victories. Gideon expected victories, and he found them as he obeyed God. A lot of times we get fed up with those on the left, and we react in the flesh, and we march out in our own strength and and anger, not with God's heart of compassion, and and we create more problems than we cause any uh, solutions. But I believe there's a people that have the right heart that say, I want to do what God wants. I'm willing to submit to him and obey. And that involves me speaking up at city hall. That involves me speaking up about real world issues, whether they're political or or entertainment or education or business or whatever they might be. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to stand up for what's right. Gideon was wise enough to discern the difference in the heat of commanding an army. You have to admire this. As I mentioned last week, Gideon was the commander-in-chief. He was the Pentagon press secretary. He was the secretary of defense. He was the commander on the battlefield. All this stress to go and rout the enemy before they reorganize, and war would just continue on and on. They would come back and oppress him. If he didn't strike while the iron's hot, they're fleeing in defeat. He's going to go put a stop to the army, the, the, the Midianites' army. And in so doing, he's got all these stress and pressures. The Ephraimites are complaining because their ego isn't stroked and now Sukkoth and Penuel are undermining the effort. Well, he had tolerance for Ephraim who wanted to fight but he didn't have any tolerance really for Sukkoth and Penuel because they were cowards. Gideon had his priorities in order and so should we. It is a day of getting your priorities in order. I am a child of God first and foremost. I am a husband and father next. Way down the list is my political values, but all my political values should come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Most of the issues of the day, the hot topic issues of the day, are moral issues spelled out in scripture. Whether it's uh, abortion, whether it's LGBTQ issues, whether it's uh, this transgenderism, parent rights, On and on the list goes. Most of the hot topic issues are hot topics because the Bible has already revealed what's going on with them and how we should respond. So it is our duty as citizens to hold our elected representatives accountable, some of you to run for office and take a stand for righteousness that way. But all of us have some duty in the political arena. If you're an American citizen, I hope you're registered to vote. And I hope you vote. And I hope you stay enough on issues that you can give a defense for the reason that people ask of you sometimes we don't all know everything about every issue there are certain issues that that i am not as interested in as others but i want to have a a general idea of what the issues are of the day and what the bible says about them so that i can have a, a message of hope to the culture we have to have our priorities in order gideon showed he cared about people and because he cared about people he was upset with suck and Panuel for undermining the battle for the nation for undermining the battle for liberty let's be like gideon who understood god wants to do a great work through him god wants to free his people from oppression god doesn't want there to be tyranny he wants freedom and we got to fight for freedom we all have a part to play it's not just the soldier in uniform who fights for freedom Every citizen, especially those who have submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ, has a role to fight for freedom today. Once again, I'm Pastor Jay MacPherson. Glad to have you with us on the Bible and our culture. Love to have you come back this same time next week, and I'd love to have you visit our website, libertyremnantchurch.org, to catch past episodes, to look at some of the sermons uh, that that, uh, God is speaking to our people at this time. We are in a fight, we are called to be His ecclesia and take a stand for righteousness in this generation, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Bible in Our Culture, an outreach radio ministry of Liberty Remnant Church. If you want to support this ministry financially, you could do so by going to our website, libertyremnantchurch.org/backslash/give, and select radio ministry. See you next week at the same time.